0: What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, gotta tell you about a new partner alert that we've got going on over at DNVR. We've partnered with a premier dispensary for you with smoking hot deals to offer. It's Solace Meds. Solace Meds has four convenient locations. One in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away from us on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. Solace has some banging deals this month, and here's what you can look forward to. They have 20% off all Glacier concentrates. They have 20% off Mile high extractions with a 100 milligram cart, the 20% off CBD gummies, and two for $25 off Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars. So make sure to check them out and of course, when you use the magical code DNVR20 at checkout, you'll get 20% off on top of all of those uh, other offers. So make sure to check them out. Or you can also head to That's S-O-L-A-C-E Meds. Meds.com right now and use that magical code DNVR20 at checkout and make sure to use that because you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. And of course, there's no better way to support us than by supporting our partners. So get online and purchase or head to one of their four convenient locations for the best customers service and get that 20% off using that magical code DNVR20. All right, fellas, let's hop into the show. Number
1: one for the one and only. Welcome
2: in to the DNVR bar, the DNVR lounge. Here, usually this is uh, reserved for after wins, but you know we figured getting back together—that's that's that's a nice win. Uh, First Broncos pod we have done in person
0: in god knows how long i'm so pumped to see you guys i mean th-
3: this is this does feel like a win huge win it's been tw- it's been 14 months 14 months since the sports world came tumbling down feels like 14
2: years yeah. honestly to me <laughs> yeah. uh so great to be in here of course dnvr broncos podcast presented by msu denver online check them out msudenver.edu Edu slash online to see all they have to offer 750 total classes 45 plus hybrid programs or something for everyone there and msu denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other colorado institution so check them out msudenver.edu online today boys uh rookie mini camp going down this weekend both of you guys had a chance to get out there i guess we'll go in chronological order here mace you got out there on friday Mm -hmm. What were just some of your early biggest takeaways from being out there?
3: I mean, you're seeing individual work, so it's it's not like you're gonna have anything kind of uh kind of illuminating to it. I mean, hey, you know you know, Pat Sertan looks good when he's when he's backpedaling. Basically it was kind of a lot of it was a lot of individual coaching. I mean I did like kind of the so
2: not like Brandon Langley? <laughs> yeah yeah well
3: i mean you're a, you're asking him to go from wide receiver to corner i mean Kendall Hinton now is going from wide receiver to corner but I he think, can do it all yeah he's try, his his path to the roster is being able to do about five different things at least reasonably well he's basically Carl mecklenburg <laughs> yes except Carl mecklenburg didn't play offense that is true that's th- th- so you so know maybe it, he's more yeah.
2: like Spencer Larson.
3: Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> and you know what? I, I You just kind of made me think of something. Maybe that's a way, if, if Kendall Hinton sticks, maybe a way of rewarding him is one game. You start him on both offense and Oh defense. my gosh, that
0: would be something. <laughs> you, come,
3: you come out and you go wildcat with, with him at quarterback, and then you have him line up at corner just once. Just to say, hey, it's happened twice in the last 20 years, and both times it was the Broncos. But, yeah, you know, it was, it's... It's really hard to kind of take a great deal from what we can see now. Some other teams, they actually got to see some kind of you know uh, some offense versus defense. That wasn't the case with the Broncos. So you're just kind of looking and saying, okay, are they are they moving well? Um, you're kind of looking at how players are are used. Like for example, uh, they've said they're going to train, they're going to cross train Pat Sertan in the slot, but we didn't see we didn't see that with the rookies. You had Kerry Vincent Jr. who think is like a slot corner from central casting is was the guy working in the slot on Friday when they were doing individual work so you know you're kind of it's and and then Case Cookus had some nice throws in individual oh of my course, gosh Tim now,
0: Tebow 2.0 right there yeah
3: <laughs> Case Cookus now the fourth quarterback and uh, like I said on Twitter you just hope that he gets protection. So Cookus isn't knocked on his took <laughs> Oh
2: my gosh. I was going to say like, you just hope that uh defensive backs are saying this guy's going to cook us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I always, when the Broncos get a quarterback or a new player, I always look to see if their anagram, if their name anagrams and anything else, uh, I don't want to share the one that I found for Kay- case cookus because it was not very nice. Mm, wow. So, interesting. Yeah, and I I don't want to do that to the kid. Although, it's interesting that he is the second oldest quarterback in the room. There is
2: an A and two S's. Was that something to do with that?
3: A little bit, but, uh, <laughs> but there's all but there's also a uh, there's also, also two, there's also two C's, a K and an O. Oh okay. so, yeah, so there's there's a lot of messiness going on if you start doing anagrams of Case Cook as his name. But he's an intri- look, he's intriguing and actually I think he's actually been on the Broncos radar for quite a while because he's somebody that Scangarello helped recruit mm-hmm. to Northern Arizona, saw him as a fit for their for their offense. And of course Scangarello was already doing West Coast type of things. So he's even though he didn't play for Skangarello, because Skang's moved on to the to Atlanta. He's worked in pro concepts before, was in the Giants camp last year, didn't stick, didn't even get a training camp rep, so, you know, I I don't want to put too much on on an undrafted quarterback and expect too much, but... There's some intriguing attributes to Case Cook. Wow. And I mean,
0: we're we're putting a lot on two undrafted quarterbacks, yeah. Kendall Hinton and well, Case Cook to wanted, start this fun. I,
2: I wanted to set, circle back to Kendall Hinton because I was thinking like, oh, maybe they could use Kendall Hinton in like some trick formations and like use his ability to throw and then I'm like, wait. When he started a game at quarterback <laughs> for them, they didn't trust his ability <laughs> yeah. to throw. No. How many attempts did he have?
3: Wasn't it two? Two and one got picked off. <laughs> I mean, it, it the, the poor kid. It, when he was warming up that game and he was overshooting guys in the warm-up line, all my hope, because I I went to the stadium that day, hoping, okay, maybe we'll see a miracle, the kind of thing that maybe 10 years from now I'm going to write a book about something amazing. (laughs) And when I saw him in warm-ups I'm like, they're dead. Cancel the book. Call the publishers. This is is going to be uglier than I thought. And, oh boy, All, all hope was abandoned right there. But, you know what? It's it's good it's good to see them trying to find a way to have him in the building somehow, some way. It's sort of like a, sort of like how they've rewarded Eric Studisville for becoming the interim head coach in 2010 by finding a way to keep him on John Fox's staff, and they stuck around for a few years. If somebody steps in in a pinch and saves you as a franchise from embarrassment, <clears throat> as that day as that day was trending, then I think you, you give him the benefit of every doubt. To keep him around in some fashion.
0: Well, yep. that, that's what they're doing, and yeah. I wish he would come out this week, guys, and say, uh, you know, I just
3: don't like running forwards. Yes. I like running backwards. <laughs> Turns out <laughs> he was running for his life last last November. But gosh, I Ugh.
2: that game was actually like left my memory
3: entirely. I don't remember anything from it. It should just stay that way. It's, yep. it's yeah. weird. That's the one game last year I really remember. <laughs> I'm sure, like I'm it's sure. because it was un. It was so unlike anything that. Anyone has ever seen in the modern NFL. Yep. And I'm mean, and it's unfortunately for the Broncos, kind of a, a, kind of a moment that crystallized where they stand in the scheme of things. That uh, yeah. hey, you got to play without quarterbacks. TS, something that Peter King pointed out in his column today is that he noted how there were some issues in the schedule. That Howard Katz, the NFL senior VP, was like, okay, we got to fix these. It was things like uh, the Bengals having three consecutive road trips but going like one on the west coast two on the east coast that sort of thing and one of the issues was the broncos opening with back-to-back east coast games Mm. and yet that was the one they couldn't solve they solved the others but they couldn't solve that (laughs) one. so what again Um, what does that tell you to hear that yeah again what does that tell you about where the broncos stand in the grand scheme of the nfl right now
2: yeah well you get pushed around when you don't have an owner all right
3: true it's true
2: Zach, you were there on Saturday. Maybe you can bring us back to some of the headliners. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll start with uh, well, all day, all, all day one and day two picks, guys. I think after this weekend, I think all of those guys are going to have a bigger role than I initially thought. Mm. My first takeaway right from the draft was, okay, Broncos got a good class. Good class of guys, a lot of talent, but... You're only going to see two impact players this year. You're going to see Javante Williams, and you're going to see Patrick Sertan in whatever form Patrick Sertan is. I'm not being fooled that he's the sixth defensive back that he's going to be. But this weekend, guys, I love the way Baron Browning was moving on the field. I thought he was going to be very awkward at inside linebacker. I thought you were going to see him move well going forward in those individual drills, which who knows, maybe he gets around a team setting and and totally falls apart, but I was really, he looked like a natural and maybe it's because he's wearing 56, my, you know, my, my inside linebacker number, but uh, I loved the, love the way he was moving. And he said just after one day of practice that he already felt comfortable at inside linebacker. And again, that can change when you get a team around you and everything, but I really like the initial results. And then Patrick Sertan, He's just taking the perfect approach. This is exactly what you want. This is not a guy who was a second overall corner taken, a top ten pick, saying, "I'm playing outside corner because I'm the best." And I would be shocked to hear an NFL player say that. I mean, would you guys? No. Instead, he's saying, "I'm learning nickel. I'm learning inside. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning
3: everything because I want to get on the field." He's learning the whole
2: defense, yep. so he knows what every. I love that. That's what? huge.
3: He's got to learn slot. He's going to have to learn outs- outside corner, but also potentially safety, and that's where. Kareem Jackson, a former Alabama, another uh, not a teammate, but another Alabama guy, can help. I mean, Kareem has known about Sertan probably for the last few years, given how invested he is in the Crimson Tide program. And I'm sure Kareem's going to tell him about the benefits of kind of cross-training and learning as much as you can because, you know, K-Jack has basically extended his career by transitioning into being a really good safety. So the more you know, and then it sort of opens up the door for some different things even down the line what if you find out if Sertan's a better safety than corner perhaps
2: yep and i just i love his approach to the game because when you understand what everyone around you is doing doesn't matter if it's even on your side of the field you just you'll the play will come to you rather than you Mm -hmm. having to chase the play um you'll know okay well if they're going to run this route scheme then this like i need to have inside leverage whatever it is when you understand all the moving parts around you, you'll have such a better feel. And I know a lot of guys will say that, but I think when you come from Alabama, when you worked under Nick Saban, when you approach the game the way they did, and I was actually just on Broncos beat with James Palmer, and he said, you know, everyone loves talking about Patrick Sertan on the field, but the number one thing I heard from people about him leading up to the draft was, this guy really impresses us on Monday through Friday. And again, kind of cliche, but when they come from Alabama, when you're a starter like that, when no one wants to throw at you all season, I tend to believe it more than the other stuff. I did have to laugh at some of the, um, naivety, naivete,
3: naivete, uh, from so these close. young guys. First one very sounded good to me. <laughs> so that's why I <laughs> Mace around. Um, yeah. This is my job to just, you know, be the, what, not really tighten the screws. Or. Yeah. Um, from these guys, like, uh,
2: Pat Sertan saying, like, that's oh, basically the same playbook. Right. Like, I, I'm good. I got it. And like well, Baron Browning being like, uh, I'm already comfortable at inside linebacker. I'm like, eh, might feel a little different once you have to start matching up with, you know, Travis Kelsey or right. Darren Waller. Right. Or- you,
3: you also reckon that the adjustment is different for someone like, say, Quinn Miners coming from the Wisconsin Whitewater Division three playbook than from a guy coming from Alabama or Ohio State or, or even North Carolina like Javante.
2: Right, but it's like a you-don't-know-what-you-don't-know you you yeah. type of thing. Yeah. You're like, hey, yeah. got here to rookie minicamp around a bunch of other guys who haven't ever been here, and yeah. I feel great.
3: Mike Munchak's telling me I look good, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Let me ask you guys this on, on Sertan real quick, though. What if he does so well in the next few months that you just say, okay, we've got to play him even if it's uh, even if it's in the slot, that he's got to be out there at, for at least 65% of the snaps. Do you think about moving Callahan as well as he played, but knowing that, like, of all the contracts, that is the easy one to create some cap space because you get $7 million. I don't like doing it because Bryce played so well last year when he was in there, but the bottom line is he's a guy who's missed 22 of the past 32 games.
2: I wouldn't. Um because how many injuries have they had at corner the yeah. last couple of years, including him, Yeah. but it's like, you, that's why
0: Kendall Hinton's playing yeah. de- defensive right. back like, now to get ready.
2: You want to have waves uh, of guys at that position that you can count on. And so uh, I would almost love the fact that Bryce Callahan wasn't a starter mm-hmm. and you're just like, Oh, we're going to call on him when we need him. We don't even want him to play a hundred percent of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably work him in and find ways mm-hmm. to use him if he's on your roster. But, I think that's actually the perfect scenario is Pat Tan is so good that you're just saying, like, Russ Callahan's a luxury for right. us now. Now, in this money-saving post-COVID world, maybe that's not a luxury you can afford to hang on to, but
3: I personally would love to have that luxury. Maybe it's not even a luxury because you're talking about anything you save, conceivably, you can carry forward to next year. What if you save $7 million and in your mind you're saying, that is $7 million we're applying to extending Kyle Fuller?
0: Man, it would just go against everything else that George Payton's done in terms of this win-now team for right now, yeah. especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, Mace, I understand where you yeah. come from. I just don't think that that's something they would do. But to answer your first question, Mace, that's the way I'm approaching it, is who is getting off the field for Pat Sertan to be on the field week one? It's not Ronald three. Darby at $10 million oh, that's the guy that you point to, but then you say the contract is what doesn't go with that. So that's the tricky thing, because you're not taking Kyle Fuller off the field, but he's a one-year deal guy. Bryce Callahan is one of the best slot corners in the game, but he's a one-year deal guy. I mean, uh, are you waiting for an injury to happen in training camp and that's where he goes? I mean, touch wood for that, but, uh, I mean, is that what they're they're thinking? Because, guys, I'm not buying that Pat Sertan is the sixth defensive back on this team. There's no way. He's way too talented for that. Um, Maybe right now he's well, the sixth, and just wait till uh, next week comes how around. How far has OJ Moody have come as well? Oh, because, boy, I haven't even talked about him. I mean, he, I, yeah. He's saying started week <laughs> one for you last year. Yeah,
3: but but OJ Moody had played much better down the stretch after when he came back in after he got benched. And I know Vic and Ed Donatel both pointed to him repeatedly in those last five weeks as someone who had really kind of taken the next step. I mean, right now, basically, O.J. Mudia is your five, and ha- and that's a, it's a luxury having him as your number five. But when you start kind of making your your plans, and especially the other thing is, if Aaron Rodgers comes into play, then you're like, okay, we go. Aaron where, Rodgers. where are we getting mil, you know millions in. here, millions there, <laughs> and there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of obvious contracts for that. But Bryce and Callahan, then Bryce Callahan makes yeah, sense because I mean, that, that certainly is a win now move
2: it's so weird to me like w- i i assume the broncos had these discussions before they drafted pat sertan so i think they have a plan and i don't think he's a guy where you say like oh we're gonna really ease him in right. you know no. we, he's a project we're All gonna right. take a year like he's not that he's the opposite he was the perfect corner for someone to draft that's like we need someone to come in and be one of our top two right now yep the Broncos aren't like that, so I just assume in their in their discussions about this, they said, okay, here's our plan. You know, we're gonna start him here or whatever. And maybe they are just saying, like, someone's gonna get hurt, he'll fill in wherever he needs to, or they're saying kind of what I would like to be their main plan, which is we can't count on Bryce Callahan to be healthy. So let's just not count on Bryce Callahan to be healthy. We'll start someone else in his place, and then he can be the guy that has to fill in when someone inevitably gets hurt.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you can't take the Quinn Minerts approach with Patrick Sertan. I mean, completely opposite guys. And I even like the way that, that Quinn Minerts looks right now, guys, he looks like an NFL player right now. Now, is he going to start week one? I think there's a chance that he does, but I think it's probably more of a long shot that he does that. But guys, I mean, he's letting the belly breathe, and I just love that. I love that he says he doesn't want the belly to become a distraction, guys. It's if, very
2: distracting. If,
0: if if that becomes too much of a
3: distraction where he has to like hide it, then this is the not for not fun league. What happens when a nose tackle or a Draymond Jones or Shelby Harris goes right at the belly? That's that that's what I'm like waiting tickles for. Tickles it or uh, no, like just kind of like tries to bull rush him, but bull rushes him at the gut. That's <laughs> that's what I wanna see. That I, I want the welcome to the NFL moment for minors. But it was interesting listening to him on Saturday. Hands on. Yeah. <laughs> he he did not sound like a guy who expects to start this year. He sounded like somebody who knows. That this is that he was snapping to
2: trash cans like six <laughs> months ago, yeah. And that sounds, was how he learned the center yes. position, right?
3: He's, he sounds like somebody who knows that who, who has accepted that there's going to be an adjustment period, that um, maybe even a, a reg shirt season of sorts. And the interesting thing is, personnel wise, if the Broncos wanted to give minors a reg shirt season, they can do it if Lloyd Cushenberry – picks up where he left off the last few games when he was, again, kind of like OJ Moody, a lot better at the end than he was at the beginning. There's absolutely no pressure for the Broncos to not even start him. They don't even have to have him as a swing backup. He could be inactive because you're sitting on Natani yeah, who can step in there as well. So they, if Miners needs time, they can give him time unless the O-line injuries next year look like the corner injuries last year in that case it's just catastrophic and you cross your fingers hope for the best
2: i do kind of understand where he's coming from though on like the distraction thing it sounds silly but (laughs) when rookies come in their agents any of their mentors everyone's telling them like don't call attention to yourself you know Mm -hmm. just go in there do your work so like you'll see you know these guys who are known for certain things like just try philip Lindsay was a perfect example remember like you know, he comes from CU and everyone's like, oh, you were like this great leader and like this yeah. motivational guy. Like, are you bringing that here? And he's like, no, like I'm just <laughs> trying to be quiet and just make plays and earn mm. respect. And so it's, it's similar to that. You know, even Phil was like, you know, hiding the afro. You yeah. just don't mm-hmm. want yeah. people paying attention to you. You really just want to be quiet, get in where you fit in. Now, I will say like if I. I the, if the belly becomes a distraction, it's totally like a media thing, and I'll just feel bad for him. Oh, that, like right. he has to like change up the way he is because like people keep asking questions, like oh, like Shelby Harris, like what do you think of right. Quinn Miner's yeah. gut? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and just it leave will come up. It will come up,
3: and if it doesn't come up in the next few weeks, it'll come up in camp because inevitably we all start getting bored about a week and a half into camp and start asking those kind of questions. And it and then it's going to make it hard on the kid. Well, the good, the good thing for
0: us, who knows if it's good for the Broncos, but we got a quarterback competition. That's going to be 50, 50.
2: So ripping
3: and cook us battling for number three.
0: (laughs) Maybe we have that.
2: I mean, Mm -hmm. you, I just, I love that, that this 50, 50 thing, um, and how clear they are about it. Now I will say, I was very surprised to hear Vic Fangio say he's going to flip a coin for who gets the first rep because I don't want to say, like, Drew Locke deserves the first rep because I think deserve is a is a bad word in the NFL. No yeah, one deserves yeah. anything, I, I don't think, or else there wouldn't be a quarterback competition in the first place mm-hmm. if he really deserved it. Um, but kind of but a I,
0: tip of the cap to him being the, the incumbent. returning guy. He yeah.
2: is, he's been on the team. He knows everyone. Like, I would have just thought – they would have gone with that, and Fangio would have said, look, the first rep's going to go to Drew because Drew's been here, Yeah, um, and we'll go 50-50 after that.
3: Define here, though. I mean, who's done more in the NFL? I mean, Obviously, Teddy Yeah, has, Teddy's but, got more skins on the wall, as John Fox might say. But
2: Drew Locke has been in this locker room with these players. He started for this team. Like, he should be the incumbent. He sh- I would have guessed that they would have said, Drew's going to get the first rep because he's been here longer. But... To me, the fact that that's not happening kind of disproves my feelings that he was the slight favorite.
0: Mm. And we'll get the benefit of the doubt. Exactly, exactly.
2: I don't think it's like that. And, in fact, I think it actually flips based on that quote. Him saying that we're going 50-50, we're going to flip a coin to see who gets the first rep tells me I think that Vic wants Teddy to be the starter.
0: Yep, and I mm-hmm. don't think there's going to be much pushback from or from Shermer nope. from uh, from George Payton. I I think that uh, as long as Teddy doesn't, doesn't lose have the a job,
2: guy, who's who is who says Drew's my guy? In that guy, coaching guy the guy that's on the golf yeah, course, John <laughs> Yeah, he, even, he moved his office out. I assume. Yeah. Oh, he know. did it. The, he's he's gone. The office. day he left.
3: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a smaller office. He still has an office, but yes. Yeah, that's oh. where the intern goes to work and it's really <laughs> oh, out right. because there's yeah. no one ever there. Yeah. But I mean, just kind of thinking about this, and it kind of it's kind of hit me thinking about Teddy in the past few few days as well. You know, he basically was able to kind of select Denver as it were because Teddy could have said, "No, I'm not. You know, I'm not going there if I've got to a place where I've got to take a pay cut if I'm a clear You're not backup. changing my contract, right? Yeah, he cha- he changed his contract." It's a and it's a total bet on yourself move on his part, he because he, by changing that contract and effectively lopping a year off of it, taking a pay cut, he's betting on himself to win the job and do well enough to where he gets another contract. Maybe it's not going to be elite quarterback money, but gets a th- but gets a two-year, twenty-five million dollar deal from somebody to at least be a bridge, pardon the pun. So it's. The fact that he's here, first of all, he's here because he believes he can beat out Drew Locke. And then you mentioned the, the names. George Payton was a part of drafting him. Pat Shermer coached him in Minnesota. Vic Fangio, even though I wouldn't call his seat hot, it's warm. And, what is, and what's a way to kind of microwave to that to make sure that you're on the, that you're on the right side of, uh, of being on the bubble job-wise? For Vic, he might view it as a quarterback who makes fewer mistakes. So I've kind of – honestly, the other thing is it's a 50-50 split, right? Now, that means one's going to get 50 – they're going to get 50 percent – like one's going to get first-team reps, and then the other gets second-team reps, and they flip it around. But what did we all say last year about uh, Drew Locke and how he was hurt by a lack of reps, Mm. the lack of OTAs? Well, even though you're going to get reps, half of those are going to be with a second team, so – how does that really help Drew Locke that you're taking half his first team reps and giving them to somebody else right out of the blocks?
0: Yeah, there's no cha- there, there, there's no disagreement that yeah. Drew is taking a step back and yeah. how the team views him. And we've known that that was going to come. But like you, like you said, Ryan, being fifty-fifty. Now it's official that that step is being taken back in the commitment to Drew.
2: Yeah, it's uh. It's going to be really interesting. Um, the QB scoreboard is going to be as important oh, as it's wait. ever been uh, as we go into training camp. And I
0: still stand by the fact that Drew winning this is the best thing for the team by far.
2: Oh, absolutely. The weird thing is I just don't know if they feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Drew's going to have to go take it.
3: Well, what if the equation for the team looks a lot like the 2015 Vikings? They lost five games. They were 11-5. Let's say the Broncos are – Put in Teddy, and they go twelve and five, and they're one and done in the playoffs. You're thrilled with twelve and five. Yeah, but then what do you do at quarterback? Has Teddy done enough to prove that yeah. he gets a, an extension, or are you doing kind of what the Bills did after going to the playoffs in twenty in twenty seventeen, like the Bears did after their eight and eight season last year? You're immediately in the young quarterback market. What do you you know? What's your choice then? If you go to the, the off season,
0: man, twelve and five to me is just eye popping for this team. I think you, I think you're signing Teddy up, and even maybe though that that could be, he could be average. Yeah, like he could. I
3: mean, last year
0: he was an average quarterback. I think that's what the team does. Maybe not what yeah. I would do, but yeah. I think that's what George Payton and Vic would want. Very interesting. Plenty
2: more to talk about uh, on the rest of the podcast. Of course, we'll get into the comments from all of the listeners uh, in the second half of the podcast, but on the live side of things, I think that is going to wrap it up for us. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Really, really great to see your (laughs) guys' faces in person again. Everyone loves, Oh, it, Love it. it it! feels incredible. And of course we'll be doing this a lot more now. So uh, keep an eye out for more of these lives.
0: Uh, again, appreciate you guys for tuning in and we'll uh, see you on the other side. And just like that, rolling into the podcast side of things. Thanks so much for tuning in with us on this side. Ryan's too cool for us today. He had to go, but Mason and I, have got you into the comment section. But before we go any further, gotta tell you guys about our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, go Rams. But they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members are a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options over at dnvrmortgage.com. And one of the things that separates Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgages. Is Mike is a certified financial planner so he He doesn't just look at the interest rates out there. He looks at everything going on for you and your entire financial picture, and that separates them from every other company out there. So make sure to give them a call. You can even call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. And remember, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. And... Get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options over at Chevalier Mortgage. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631.
3: All right, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, as you know, it's the official beer of DNVR. And y'all know how we love our Breck beers and the good company hard seltzers that have come out over the last few months. But what we love even more this summer is the fact that Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with the National Parks Conservation Association. The tragic fires in Colorado last year were absolutely devastating, and this is one of the many reasons why Breck will donate 1% of all their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. That's right. If you buy one pint or a pack of Breckenridge brews, you are donating that 1% to help our great outdoors. We're going to be hosting some fun events down here at the DNVR Bar to promote this awesome collaboration. You You can come on down, drink a Breck brew or seltzer, and go away with some awesome swag from our friends at Breck Brew. You can also enter to win a $30,000 Escape Pod trailer if you head to their website and enter to win. Just go to BreckBrew.com slash I-N-G-O-O-D-C-O. So BreckBrew.com slash InGoodCO. And get more details on winning the $30,000 Escape Pod trailer. Good luck, and be sure to tag us and our friends at Breck & Brew when you submit your en- entry to win. Of course, don't forget about the farmhouse. If you're in the Denver area, call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. Use that code DNVR to save $5 off your meal. They are open for in-person dining. If you're comfortable with that, go ahead. It's socially distanced. It's set up well to eat outside. It may be a little bit drizzly and rainy in Denver right now, but you know what? It's, you're going to get some beautiful spring and summer days coming up, so check that out. And wherever you are in the country, check out the Breck Beer Locator. Find out the nearest place to you to get some of that Strawberry Sky, that Avalanche Ale, or whatever you want from Breck and Reese Brewery, the official beer of D N V R.
0: Mace, today is a great day, not just because we're back in person, but playoffs is starting. Playoffs? so <laughs> pumped. Yes, playoffs is back. <laughs> and, of course, we got the Avs kicking it all off tonight, and then the Nuggets later this week going up against Portland. And I can't freaking wait And I know the best place to get all of the coverage is, of course, at DNVR. Not just reading all of our content, but you get to be part of this playoff run with us, and we want you guys with us. So head over to TheDNVR.com, become a member, and when you do – not only do you get the best playoff coverage that this entire country has to offer, you'll also get in on our DNVR Golf League. You'll get access to that. You'll also, and that's actually where Ryan set it off to right now, you'll also get access to our members-only Discord. Twitter can be a, a tough place right now. Our Discord is not. You'll get access to that. And of course, sign up for the annual membership, and which will cover you through the entire Broncos season, and you'll get a free DNVR shirt of your choice when you do. And when you're down here at the bar, you'll get $22 ounce beer, for the price of a 16-ounce beer, that's our members' beer for you. And there's so many other perks, and inc- of course, including being supporting us, and we really appreciate that. And you also get the exclusive right to leave comments on this podcast. And Mace, let's get into those comments. But first, let me tell you how to leave those comments. Go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, you'll click on Podcasts and select Broncos Podcasts. All of our podcasts will pop up. Click on the top one right there. That's the most recent one. Scroll to the bottom, and if you're part of our family, Family, a comment section will magically appear. And Mace, so far we have a lot of people that have done that exact same thing. And first one coming in from maybe the dingo, H.O. Baby, says Teddy Bridgewater is Tyrod Taylor. The fans better pray Drew dominates the off season and takes step toward his reign as the current king of Denver sports. If he doesn't, we might sleep through 17 games.
3: Oh, that's brutal, Mace. I think he's better than Tyrod Taylor. Okay, I think uh, a, little more dyna- a little more dynamic, a little more dynamic, will take some more chances. Like kind of the yeah, thing with Tyrod Taylor is that uh, is that he doesn't take chances almost to a fault, mm-hmm. and thus there's no real dynamic component to his game. At least Teddy Bridgewater, he's a notch above Tyrod in that, and that's why uh, that's why Teddy was signed to be a starter last year with Carolina. That's why he's competing for the job, and uh, here in Denver and. Uh, why Tyrod is in Houston, where it just seems like they're, they're just trying to, to to muddle through the season until they can figure out something else. Tyrod's basically he's basically a Band-Aid down in Houston, and he's been a backup the last couple of years, of course, with the Chargers. But uh, look, if the Broncos don't trade for Aaron Rodgers, Drew Locke working out is still the best thing for this team. If Drew Locke became a top-12 quarterback, that would solve almost every problem the Broncos have. That would be enough to get them back in the conversation. The thing is, he's got to make multiple level jumps to become that. I mean, we're not talking about somebody going from mid-tier to that top 12 level, which happens and is reasonable. Drew is going from the bottom five. And so the chances of him going all the way up this year are, are slim. I mean, I think you're happy if he's just an average quarterback this year. Now, that, then the question becomes is average enough to build around or are you kind of saying, "Okay, that's purgatory and the worst thing you can do is pay big money for an average quarterback and we're going to go in and we're going to go in a younger direction." So, the the best thing is for Drew to to work out, but the reality is him getting to that level where you're secure about that after this year is pretty slim
0: maybe the dingo ate your baby. I think Tyrod Taylor may be a little offended by this comparison yeah. here. Uh, now, what what's crazy is Mace in this – quarterback competition teddy i mean steady teddy i -hmm. think he's a safe option uh no doubt i think we all agree on that but it's not like teddy isn't going to take chances you're absolutely right about Mm -hmm. that teddy isn't like the safest quarterback to ever come around honestly tyrod taylor may be one of the safest quarterbacks to ever come around and that's reflected in the stats you have teddy or you have yeah teddy has 53 career touchdown passes 36 career interceptions so not Mm -hmm. two to one Tyrod why he's offended is he, is he saying I have 54 touchdown passes in my career only 20 interceptions so uh, so t- Teddy while in this competition he's the safe option he's not like necessarily the safest quarterback ever
3: right and it's interesting to kind of look at the last 4 years and I often refer to that 4 year chart that I have and I basically always keep it at the ready on my laptop the last 4 seasons 2017-2020 you have Teddy Bridgewater ranks 3rd in rate of plays that end in an interception or a fumble, and that is one every fifty-five point two. The only players who have better interception or fumble rates, one of uh, with at least two hundred fifty plays, one of them is Tua Tungle-Vailoa, who of course is you know he's just gotten um, he's just gotten into the league. So Tua doesn't turn it over. He, he has five interceptions, but when you're adding when you're adding up rushing attempts yeah. and you're adding up uh, passing attempts and then time sacked, those are the, the total plays. Tua's rate is but you're one every 57.7. 50, oh, yeah. He's man. second best Tua he's second best. That's what I am now. Talking part about. of the written part of the thing is he had the five interceptions. That's true, uh, but five five interceptions in two hundred ninety passes is actually a it, that's a pretty acceptable interception rate. That's one out of every fifty eight pass attempts. Yeah, the one of the re- why Teddy why Tua has a, a a good overall giveaway rate. He only had one fumble. That's actually wow. kind of that's an interesting thing, and so you start adding up that that Teddy had so Teddy had six giveaways, six times he lost the ball with two hundred ninety attempts, and then he was sacked twenty times, so three ten, and then and then another thirty six rushing attempts. So you have six giveaways or ball or six losses of football out of three hundred and forty six. That's really good. The only one who's better in the last four seasons is Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Wow, so give me two over Aaron then. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, you you want to know what his uh, giveaway rate is? His ball – or I should say ball loss rate because it's interception and fumble per play. Is
0: it like one every 75
3: plays? In, in the last four years, Zach, it's close. It's the, it's very nice. It's one every 69. Oh,
0: my gosh. Wow. And
3: then Ty, But Tyrod Taylor is third. But the interesting thing is Tyrod Taylor has that low giveaway rate but his passer rating is only 85.1 right. in the last four seasons, which is evidence of how he just he protects it to a fault. Teddy right. Bridgewater, in this giveaway rate metric, he actually ranks ninth of the 62 quarterbacks with at least 250 plays in the last four years. So he's good. He's very good. Uh, but Teddy's rating is 92.5, which is evidence of him being able to push the ball down the field right. a little more. And then because we have to mention Drew Locke because we're, we're talking about quarterbacks, and this is part of where Drew Locke struggles. He ranks 50th of 62 quarterbacks in this. Right. Right. Yep. And th- this is why you're talking about a competition.
0: And that's the biggest thing that, d- that Drew needs to, uh, to improve on is the decision-making, is mm. those turnovers. Uh, and you're exactly right, Mace. That's why we're in this competition now. And that's mm-hmm. why I think that Vic Fangio, if it's up to him, which I think he's going to have a huge input in, and of Pat Shermer as well, is they want a guy that's not going to turn the ball over. Mm. And Drew struggled at that. I mean, led the league in interceptions
3: last year. And Teddy does throw a very catchable ball. I mean, sometimes with Drew Locke, he's still learning how to take some of that hot hot sauce off of it. Teddy doesn't have a cannon, but he throws a ball that is very easy to catch. That's one thing that you've heard kind of praised about him over the years. So we'll see what happens. McCoolist, hey, guys, this is my first time commenting. Huge fan of the show.
0: Huge fan of your name, McCoolist. And Mace,
3: we got him. Welcome. Love having you aboard. Mace, this one is for you. Do you know of anywhere in the Sarasota or Tampa area that I can catch a Broncos game my fellow fans? My dad's a Bucks fan, so I always get stuck switching back and forth between games. I'm looking for a great Broncos atmosphere. Thanks for all you guys doing. I look forward to renewing my subscription. Well, we love having you. I love hearing from the greater Tampa Bay area, so thanks for checking in, McCoolist. Unfortunately, I don't really know where you would go watch Bronco games, so if you're in the Tampa Bay area, and this is anywhere from, basically, from, from Hernando County south to Sarasota all the way over to Polk County inland, And then, of course, Pinellas and Hillsborough counties right there at the heart of the Bay Area. If you know, please chime in and and share that with us. My parents, years ago, used to go to a Beefo Brady's not too far from their house and go watch the Bronco games because they would put a Bronco game on the TV for them. But now, my mom uses my Sunday ticket login, and she just watches on her iPad every week. There you go. So – unfortunately I can't really help you there. She just she breaks out her iPad at kickoff and just sits there at the kitchen table and watches the game and then texts me at whenever like something gets screwed up. She's like during the Charger game last year when McManus hit the upright, she's like, What is wrong with McManus? So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know. gosh, Tampa's big enough where I'm sure there's a Broncos bar somewhere. There has to be somewhere. I mean it, it's it's the, the Tampa Bay region has over four million people. There's gotta be someplace. So calling all you Bay Area listeners there is a great Broncos spot, please share it with us. We'd love to hear it.
0: Next one coming in from Jason17. Happy Monday, boys. Before we get to the quote today, Mace, you said on last week's pod that Broncos players are on a radio silence about Aaron Rodgers because it would be tampering. How, then, was it not tampering when Kareem Jackson was openly talking about how he had conversations with Deshaun Watson about coming to Denver? Well, Mace, is it tampering? I mean, can't. Other players talk to other players. It's just when you get like management and coaches talking to
3: players. Yeah, but the only thing is, everyone kind of gets nervous right now. Sure, and you don't want to you don't want to say things publicly on the record. Do private conversations happen? They do. Are they completely ethical? Mm. So then, what Not about really? what <laughs> about Kareem?
0: Very, very publicly yeah. talking about Deshaun Watson.
3: Yeah, I. That's a good question, and I, and I wonder if this is something where with players they'll just kind of look the other way but at the same time uh, if if it's one player i think you don't really worry about it but let's say you let's say you had 10 guys talking about getting Aaron Rodgers to Denver and lobbying for that and he wasn't a free agent that's the sort of thing that would make people believe that there was something concerted going on
0: right and, and that, so, so the NFL wouldn't look into those players. They would look into the team. Where is this message coming from? Right. Like, is, right. It,
3: is it coming from the top? Have players been told? Oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're you know, we're gonna get Aaron Rodgers. We're we're doing what it takes. That's. Just, but then again, even when it comes to a, when it comes to a team wide level, um, or to executive level, it's hard to prove. Like, for example, of course, what Romy referred to on our last podcast on Friday. When she uh, said she said that Elway and Aaron Rodgers had played golf together, does it seem likely that they played golf and didn't have a conversation? By the way, the Broncos have denied that this happened, so let's just you know kind of put it right there. And I'm put, sure they put did. both sides of this. You know, is it possible that they had a con that they played golf and d- and didn't talk about it? If they did play golf, yeah, it, it's possible. possible. Is it likely? No, but can right. you prove it? And and right, you've got no. to pr- and and for punishment. You got to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt when right. it comes to tampering, and that's why you see very you, you see very little tampering punishments going on. The truth is, tampering, as it's as it were defined, goes on a heck of a lot more than is punished for. He, oh yeah, in the league. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: And then he goes on and says, "Here's the quote from the one and only Michael Scott: Would I rather be feared?" Or lived. Loved, Um, I think. Oh, loved, yes. Um, Easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they (laughs) love me. He goes on and says, as a football player, is it better to be feared by opponents or loved by fans and teammates? Mm. I mean, Mace, on the field, isn't it better to be feared by opponents? But in terms of, like, your brand – it's better
3: to be loved by fans and teammates. Yeah, you want to be loved by fans and and I think also respected by teammates. I, I would say this like for Peyton Manning, for example, was he right. loved by everybody in that locker room? No, no, he wasn't. By was, some, but not some. all. That's for sure. Was he respected? Yeah. Yes. Was Absolutely. he feared? Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't want to run a foul of him, and that's sort of. That's where even though their personalities are different, that's one thing that kind of Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers they have in common is that do they have a heck of a lot of friends in the like like close friends in the locker room? No, they're they're not a guy that is close friends with like 30 or 35 people right. in the locker room. That's just not the way they're wired.
0: Peyton has his Brandon Stokely right. and those type of guys. Right. A but couple. Our,
3: but you look, you look at Aaron Rodgers, he has no he has no problem getting guys to show up with him at the derby. Right and, and hang out and, and, and get guys to, to get together for a long weekend and have some fun. That's never it's, he's never had an issue finding guys to do that. Um, you see like what Devonte Adams clearly thinks of Aaron Rodgers. Devontae is one of Rodgers' guys, mm-hmm. uh, guys who used to play with Aaron Rodgers. James Jones, John Kuhn, we've heard from him. They're they're Rodgers' guys yep. as well. So like this notion, I, I know there's a notion that like he rubs people the wrong way, but Aaron Rodgers does not lack friends, even in the locker, in the Packer locker room even though he's respected and you'd maybe even say by some guys feared. Yeah. And and it's kind of the same. It was the same as, as Peyton. That's why if the Broncos did end up with Aaron Rodgers, I think the feel of it might be very familiar for people who've watched the Broncos closely over the last decade.
0: Mace, if the the all time greats pretty much, they all have a little or a lot, a hole in them. And regardless of what sport, but, they're also the hardest working guys. It's like what Michael, Michael Jordan said over and over again was that I never asked someone to do something that I wasn't doing. I never asked someone to put in work that I wasn't putting in. Right. All of the greats put in all the work, and then they demand that out of the other guys around them. And Mace, A lot of guys in the NFL want to work hard. There's some guys that are very talented and don't need to work hard. So if you have that that strong leader coming out and saying, "I need you to do this," and you're going to get pushback from some people, and then that's when the a-hole comes out.
3: Yeah, and if Aaron Rodgers were a Bronco, I don't think he'd have any trouble getting guys to kind of fall in line. And right. And the the funny thing is, like, there's some like the talk about, oh, would Rodgers want to bring his band, put his band back together? Now, perhaps he might want a guy or two, but. If Aaron, wherever Aaron Rodgers goes, if he leaves Green Bay, he's going to he, he's going to bond with the guys that he's now with. I mean, who's to, what's to say that Aaron Rodgers couldn't have the same kind of relationship with Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton that he has with Devontae yeah. Adams, right? Now? Yeah, he absolutely I'd could. I'd say that, that would possibly be a likelihood. Someone like Jerry Judy in particular, we see how hard he works. I, I think Aaron Rodgers would absolutely love Jerry Judy if he's around him. Yeah, because they kind of have that. They have that same manner of being kind of wired on a different level. I mean, look at the look at the work we see Judy doing. I mean, I don't want to put too much on workout videos, but I, I love what he's doing in the sand. Even though there's a part of me that gets a little nervous because I remember a long time ago a guy suffering a cr- nearly a career-ending injury on sand. That was Robert Edwards at a Pro Bowl beach event back in the late 1990s. He was a running back for the Patriots. So I see that and I and I, I, I get a little bit nervous for Jerry because I don't want something bad to happen to him. But I mean you can get hurt doing whatever. Yeah, so. exactly.
0: May so, some breaking news coming in right now from Adam Schefter. He says Broncos are hiring Kelly Klein as executive director of football operations slash special advisor to the GM. Klein, who worked with George Payton with the Vikings, will have scouting duties and manage several departments. Klein is to believe, is believed to be the highest-ranking female scouting executive ever with an NFL team. So that is pretty darn cool. And Mace, this is the first big move mm-hmm.
3: we've seen from George Payton. Yeah, and uh, one thing that's been interesting is that we haven't heard a lot about any moves being made uh, after the draft. But uh, typically when a new general manager comes in, that's when you start to see kind of pieces fall into place, and uh, I think we're we're going to see maybe maybe this is the first move of not a huge shakeup in Broncos football operations, but certainly a series of changes that allow George Payton to put his stamp on it. Of course, I mean, there's obviously the 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 social thing of of like at like you mentioned from Adam Schefter's tweet. Klein being the highest-ranking female uh, personnel executive with an NFL team now that she's got this job. And, and, that, and, and that's significant, but I would also say this. It, George, George Payton is going to is start putting some of his people in key positions. And, and Kelly Klein is somebody who's, uh, who's, who's, worked, for the, who's worked for the Vikings uh, for, for quite a while. She was the uh, manager of player personnel, and uh, also served as a, as a college scout. Um, there's actually a story that you can find uh, from the St. Paul Pioneer Press that describes her in the headline, quote, as a rising star, unquote. And, th- and this was actually a story that, uh, that went out last month. And, and she's, w- she's worked her way up. It's a, it's a natural next step for her. Uh, but I think the significant thing is uh, George Payton putting some of his own people in key positions. And, uh, I would, I would be, I would be surprised if she were the last person, uh, that George Payton was bringing into the Broncos player personnel side over the next few weeks.
0: Oh, I, I totally agree with you, Mesa. And th- this is awesome. Um, not only for the historic implications mm-hmm. to it, but that, that George Payton is starting to make his mark on it. We knew that this was going to come. And we also know that George Payton wants, uh, uh someone to be his, his right hand, uh, with him and maybe that's that's what Kelly is going to be as a special advisor to the GM
3: yeah that's uh, uh, that's that is significant and um, uh, let's see where she takes it she's worked eight years in the NFL she actually broke in as an intern uh, I believe did a couple of interns actually um so internships actually with the Vikings so good to, good to see that and uh, again I, I want to see what moves come come next because this is going to be, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how the Broncos' football operations looks because, like I said, general managers usually come in, they want to bring in their own people, and clearly Kelly Klein is one of his people.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: All right, Mace, back into the comments.
0: Broncos says, Gents, I hope you all had a great weekend. The weather was glorious here in Birmingham, Alabama, not England for Mace's sake. What do you guys think has made the biggest impact off the field in Broncos' history? Who do you think has made that the easy answer is probably John Elway, but I would love to hear stories of Broncos players doing great things in the community.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, that's kind of tough. A lot, a lot of players done a lot of charitable things in the community. When I think of like off-the-field impact, though, I also think of just uh, building the fan base and kind of conferring legitimacy on the team. Like For example, Floyd Little, even though he was not a part of any Broncos seasons, he was crucial in terms of solidifying the fr- what the franchise was when he came in in 1967 because at the time you were just a year or two removed from the team, two years removed from the team, nearly moving to Atlanta, uh, being sold, and then the Phipps brothers came in and bought it. You were still in the midst of kind of having these ticket drives year after year, fundraising drives to expand the stadium. Everything became a lot easier in terms of the, in terms of the Broncos' Having a foothold in this market and becoming what they were, when Floyd Little became the first first-round pick to ever sign a contract with the Broncos. all of their first-round picks in the AFL draft had had you know gone elsewhere. Usually, like the Broncos drafted Dick Butkus once, but he went to the Chicago Bears, of course. So that's why when I think of off-field, I think of like what the Broncos are as an institution, uh, what they are as a legit as a legitimate franchise. And that's part of the reason why Floyd Little's nickname during his lifetime and now and beyond as we reflect on his legacy is the franchise. Mm -hmm. It's It's hard to compete with the guy who basically is the one that turned this team from one that was struggling year after year to get by into a truly legitimate pro football entity that ended up becoming one of the most fanatically supported franchises in all of sports and that fanatical support happened even before the orange crush and the breakthrough in 77 so that's why with all respect to Elway here I I think Floyd Little is the guy when you're talking about off-field
0: community impact Mm, I like that a lot Mason another guy that that you can point to is on the team right now in Justin Simmons Mm -hmm. And, and what he is doing Mace for only just getting a second contract with the team is pretty incredible. This is a guy that w- when he his career is done, we're going to be talking about him being one of the uh, the all-time
3: uh, Broncos in terms of off-field work. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Casper, fellas, does the potential of full-capacity stadiums help or hurt Drew Locke this season? Mm, that's a good question. Um, boy,
0: I he's a guy that does get pumped up by the crowd. So I think it could help him.
3: What if the home crowd turns on him? Uh, it's going to be tough then. I mean, what would last year have been like if the home crowd was turning on him, like in that Kansas City game, for example? Um, I think it's actually a wash. Okay. The guy I'm the guy I'm actually concerned about with full capacity stadiums. I'm even though he was an All Pro last year, I yeah. gotta see it with Garrett Bowles in full stadiums. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think you have to be concerned, Mace. I I don't think. Uh, I think it's, it would be naive to, to not at least have that in the back of your head.
3: Yeah, and if he has a holding penalty, does it become another holding penalty? Again, part of the problem with Garrett Bowles, especially the last couple of years, uh, there were fans in the stands, or substantial fans in the stands, I should say, is that one mistake became two or three like that. You could kind of see him sliding as the, as the home fans in particular had that visceral reaction to hearing holding offense number 72. Mm-hmm. And you could tell it kind of it kind of got to him a little bit and it sent him spiraling down. So what happens if you've got that first home game against the Jets in week three, and what happens if he gets called for holding early on? Are, are the fans going to reflexively boo like they always did? Or is it going to be, oh, he was an all-pro last year, we're going to forgive? Uh, and what if one mistake becomes another mistake? And so I'm concerned about that. I'm a cons- little bit concerned about that. The other thing is also do holding penalties return to the same rate that they were before last year? Because in 2020 league wide, they dropped by more than 30%. Usually the holding uh, rate, it, it's, it moves about five to seven percentage points every year, but it doesn't, but there hasn't been a heck of a lot of variance over time, but holding penalties dropped like a rock last year. Do do the refs keep their flags in their pockets again in 2021?
0: Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good question. And something that we'll definitely be looking at Mace. Mm -hmm. All right. Next one coming in from Casper fellas, does the potential of full-capacity stadiums help or hurt? Or, sorry, we just got that one from Casper. Next one from Dan Burke. He says, hey, guys, I wanted to expand on something Mace said the other day about Zach Azani being under-the-radar interim coach option if Vic gets off to a slow start and gets fired. We've talked about this in the past, but Azani is definitely on the NFL's radar. A couple of months ago, there was an NFL.com article about future head coaches, and his name was right at the top of the list above more high-profile names like Mike Kafka. Couple couple that with Urban Meyer trying to hire him to be part of his staff in Jacksonville this offseason, and you start to realize that the NFL views him pretty highly. What skill set do you think he could bring to the head coaching job? I think being someone who is experienced in college recruiting helps him relate to younger players and players from different backgrounds, which is something you need from a head coach these days. And there's definitely a precedent out there, with David Coley going from receiver coach to head coach this cycle, albeit being an assistant head coach a few times. So it's not that crazy to think Azani could make the jump. What do y'all think?
3: Well, I mean, I think the ideal thing for him would actually be get some more experience as a coordinator. He's been, he was a passing game coordinator at the University of Tennessee, but he's only been an OC once, and that was at Western Kentucky back in 2011. Um, so personally, I'd like to see him get some more play-calling experience before I handed him the keys. But part of it is you, you look at how players get better on his watch. And uh, I take, for example, Tim Patrick. Now, Tim Patrick, I think, is somebody that's gotten uh, better from year to year. Cortland Sutton got better. Uh, from year to year, players. When you see guys, time and again, take a leap under him, then you start putting together the piece and saying, "Okay, why is this happening?" Uh, he's obviously some like like you mentioned, uh, somebody who, with a recruiting background, can relate to a lot of people. You also like the fact that uh, that that he that, uh, that he's been ar- he's been around some uh, some good coaches and and good programs, of course. Uh, you know, the Urban Meyer trying to to hire him uh, to Jacksonville uh, was interesting because Azani did spend one year under Urban Meyer at Florida in 2010. Uh, he was the passing game coordinator and receivers coach for the Gators. And then he goes to Western Kentucky. A year later, he's at Wisconsin, another a, a, a pro-style program, uh, even though you haven't seen uh, their head coaches move on to the NFL. So you look at the fact that you look at the fact that he's got a variety of backgrounds. Uh, certainly the fact that uh, Vic Fangio appears to have a good eye for, co- for, for coaching candidates uh, uh, legal, at least in terms of the league wide perception that helps as well. And Vic, he didn't hire Zach Azani, but he kept him on when he came here. Uh, he worked with him in Chicago uh, for a year as well. So I think, I think that's another reason why uh, he's in play as well. But personally, I'd like to see him be a coordinator. I'd like to see yep. him take that intermediate step. Yep. But we saw in 2010, second time Eric Stoudersville has been mentioned in this podcast, wow. it was considered less disruptive to have a position coach rather than a coordinator become the interim head coach. And the fact that Azani is in high esteem, I think is why he. if the Broncos did get off to a bad start, God forbid, don't even want to think about that. But if they did, and they did make a move, he'd be pretty high on the list. Probably, I would expect it would come down to him and Munchak.
0: I was just going to say, Mace, I, I think if you want to see the up-and-coming guy, you go with Azani. If you want to see if Mike Munchak can be the long-term answer uh, and or you need some stability mm-hmm. for the season, you go with Munchak because, Mace, Let's what George Baton wouldn't want is the organization to just, like, go crazy and and, and fall apart under a first-time head coach in terms of Azani. But with Munchak, you know the thing would be stable.
3: Zach, even though, obviously, John Elway has kicked himself upstairs and isn't as involved day-to-day, do you think it's significant that if the Broncos did start slowly and made a move that Munchak was essentially the finalist who lost out to Vic? When yeah, they did the interviewing in twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, I do think so, Mace. I, I think so.
3: All right, I want to tell you about illegal pizza. Illegal pizza is back, and we are so pumped to have them on board again. As you guys know, the pandemic shut down lots of restaurants, and illegal pizza was one of them. They've been back in action for a while now. We could not be happier to promote them. Here are some things going on at all six illegal pizza locations. A sound check promotion. It's an ongoing promotion at all locations that offers a free draft beer or house margarita with purchase of an adult entree when the guest shows a same-day ticket to any event. In the past, our Lodo location has crushed it with this promo with customers going to Illegal Pete's before or after a game. Lodo has reopened in a new location with a bigger indoor and outdoor space. It's now at the, lo- the corner of Wazi and 16th, which is close to both Ball Arena and course Field. All Illegal Pete's locations serve breakfast until 1 p.m. from Friday through Sunday, and the Lodo location serves breakfast every day with breakfast burritos, tacos, bowls, even breakfast quesadillas and nachos. They serve chorizo, which is their own proprietary blend, and bacon crumbles as the breakfast meets. Over the pandemic, they launched party margs at Illegal Pete's, which are 32 ounces of our of the house margarita, which is four times the size of a, of a regular house margarita. Happy hour at all locations from 3 to 6 p.m. every day. Dollar off drafts, dollar off house and coin style marks, $20 for the party marks, $1 $1 off large chips and queso and large chips and guac, and free chips and salsa if you're drinking at the bar. And, of course, they mix their burritos before they roll them up, so you get a mixture of ingredients in each bite. And they pay a living wage to all employees. If you work there, it starts at $15 an hour plus tips, free food and drink on shift, Discounted off-duty, 401k match, PTO to all employees, an option for health insurance for all full-time employees. So check out Illegal Pete's. They were started uh, by Pete himself back in 1995, and they've grown, and they're all over the Denver metropolitan area. Check out that fish burrito that I love to have, that Baja fish burrito. It is tremendous. You can't get a fish burrito like that anywhere else in the Denver area. So check out Illegal Pete's in any of their local locations.
0: Oh, Mace, I already have my weekend plan set of checking out Illegal Pete's. You go with the fish burrito, I go with the fish taco. Oh, man, I absolutely love Illegal Pete's. Mace, and something else I love, Strava Craft Coffee. Of course I had to have my cup of Strava Craft Coffee become before coming into the bar today. Mace, I could have another cup here while I'm here since we've got Strava on tap. But, guys, our friends over at Strava have not felt the love recently and you've been letting them down. Yep, we said it. Our longest and most loyal partner to date, Strava Craft Coffee, has not felt the love lately. So what they've done is they've upped the ante. They're giving you a new promo code, DNVR25, which will give you 25% off every or your first purchase over at Strava craft coffee. So make sure to check them out. Not only do they have delicious CBD coffee, which helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on. The CBD helps relieve. They also have delicious flavors. You got to check out the toast and marshmallow. I absolutely love it. So make sure to check them out. And then after you use that magical code DNVR 25, subscribe to Strava craft coffee, and you'll receive 20% off every single purchase after that, just by subscribing. And you can also have it set up to where it's delivered to you every two, four, six, eight weeks, or however often you want, the coffee will just show up to your door at that 20% off. So make sure to check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee.
3: Also check out our friends over at Hassel Cattle Company. They brought you, we brought you damn good beer, and now they deliver to you damn good beef. And that damn good beef you can get at the DMVR bar, you can get a Hassel Cattle Company Wagyu beef burger with all the toppings you want, but it's so good, you're not going to want very many toppings. I'd say stick with just a slice of tomato, so raw onion, a little bit of lettuce, sliced cheese. You're going to be good to go with that beef from Hassel Cattle Company. It's, of course, it's Wagyu, and they call it the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassel Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, franks with no fillers, and two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. We love the, their beef, and the country loves their beef. They take their registered bulls and breed them, With Angus Cows, which gives you that very high prime product with zero antibiotics and zero hormones. So head on over to HasselCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. And get that order $200 and you get free shipping. You've got room in your freezer. Get a little extra. So you get to $200, you get free shipping. And use that magical code DMVR10, you get 10% off. So that's 20 bucks off, $200. I mean, that's just perfect. And really, with the free shipping, it's like getting it for $40 or $45 off. So check out our friends over at HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. And take advantage of that code DMVR10 for 10% off. And get that order $200 and get free shipping.
0: It's Monday morning, Mace, and I could go for uh, illegal pizza and a burger. I'm so hungry now. Next, let's jump back into the comment section. Next one coming in from Orange and Blue All Over. Watching Judy run routes on the field, in the sand, or on the moon is just fun. Mace, have you seen him run routes on the moon yet? Uh, no, I haven't seen anybody run routes on the moon since the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> he says, the guy just moves different from other wideouts. Hope it translates to a breakout season this year. Think it's BS that if he got hurt training for running routes off-site like the sand video, he could lose his entire contract, though. Do, do you think we will see a strong, successful push by the NFLPA to get the injury protection extended from only... From only covering team facilities to covering any football-related training injury, I feel like 99% of the guys do workouts away from the team facility at some point during the year. Seems bonkers to me the way the current agreement is set up.
3: It absolutely is bonkers. Now that that being said, the NFLPA, they had the chance to fight for this last year with the new CBA, and they didn't. Yeah, and why? and that's an important thing, Mace.
0: Is this isn't new. The NFLPA agreed to this uh, just a year ago.
3: They did, and I mean, I, th- I think to myself. You think this would happen with the Major League Baseball Players Association or even the Umpires Association over in baseball? I mean, the NFLPA, compared to some other players' associations in pro sports, is relatively powerless. I mean, the fact that they can't get this in. I mean, Jawan James, he's training to get ready to play for the Broncos in the NFL. Deshaun Hamilton, he's off-site. He's getting ready to play for the Broncos. So why is it that the NFLPA structured this to where if a player is clearly in the process of getting ready for the season, but they get injured off-sites, okay, TS. I mean, this is something where I can't be- like, of all the things that the NFLPA was trying to fight for in this CBA, why didn't they fight for this? Yeah. Why? And now, and now a year later, it's an issue. Uh, I, clearly, they're, they're using the pandemic to try to shorten OTAs. But it's like, at some point, you got to kind of lie in the bed that you made, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And
0: so. uh, they're, they're one year too late on this, Mace. And so that's why the NFL would have pushback to this and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We gave you guys some stuff last year, uh, and, and you gave us some stuff. We right. met and found a deal, and now you're trying to bring this up? I mean, that, that's why you're seeing the NFL – have pushback instead of yeah. saying, you know, I understand your concern. That's why they're having pushback, is they're saying, whoa, we, we, you guys are going to have to give us something if
3: we're going to give you. Uh, I, I just, I, I think back to the things that the NFLPA fought for, or didn't fight for. Why weren't you fighting for this? Why weren't you fighting to have a health, to have access to health insurance like exists in baseball? If you play one day of Major League Baseball that means you are able to sign up for health insurance through MLB for life. That's awesome. Why Why isn't the NFLPA pushing for this? Right. This is something that could benefit a lot of those rank-and-file guys who maybe they don't have, you know, maybe they play just a game or two or, you know, play for a season or two, and we hear, like, tales of, okay, they've, they, they have this medical issue and they, they can't get insurance. Well, this would have been something that's worth fighting for. Sometimes I just I wonder what they're thinking over at the NFLPA, and if they're really fighting for stuff that helps a lot of guys. And yep. it's just it's kind of biz- bizarre to me. And unfor- you know, unfortunately for this, Jawan James, he's going to have to pay the price on this. But then again, all the, these guys know the terms. They they know what the deal is. So it's what your union agreed to.
0: Yeah, I- exactly, Mace. It's what your union agreed to, and you knew this last mm-hmm. year. You know, this year. You know, three years ago. You know it going into next year unless something changes.
3: If it were that important, why did why wasn't it something that they fought for and why wasn't it something that really uh, they were willing to go to the mat for? And That's so all. and so, I do agree with, with
0: exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, George right. Bluov. I, I wish these guys were protected for, for staying in shape, but the fact is the NFLPA didn't fight for it last year and now they're trying to just come out of the blue.
3: And what the NFL is saying is, we have a contract. You sign this contract. Right, and and I, and I don't think that there's going to be much legal ground for Jawan James uh, to stand on, and that's that's why they went ahead and cut him with the post June one designation, rather than waiting for a settlement. And basically, what this is what this does is, their Broncos are going to pay him the sign the, the prorated portion of the signing bonus. Now, I mean, they maybe they try to get the three million dollars for this year back, but I don't think that I don't think that's going to come into play. The question is going to be if Jawan James wants to fight for any share of that $10 million salary this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I feel bad for Jawan James. Yeah, me too. I feel bad for Deshaun Hamilton. Yep. But um, this is what the union agreed to. So I think I think this is a something that's at the feet of JC Treder and everyone else involved
0: yep. with the union. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Next one coming in from Mark IT snatch. Hey guys. So nobody knows about A.A. Ron. We don't we don't have a Balaki. balaki balaki yeah, yeah. There may be a J Quell in. Did I get that one right? Yeah. In the front J. office. Jay <laughs> But we definitely have a Tim O. The. Timothy, I think. T- oh, Timoth- Timothy. Timothy.
3: <laughs> yeah, all the mispronunciations. <laughs> yeah,
0: of course, classic.
3: Principal, oh Shaq office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Oh Shaq <O'Shea-Kennessey. laughs> Principal, O'Shaughnessy? <laughs> <laughs> sounds a, like sounds a, like me, Mace. Well, you know the Packers have a Balake now. Yep. Yeah. they certainly do. They they aaron's a- not there not there but Balake is. Yep. <laughs> and they oh, the, the, nothing with Kurt right because they also signed Kurt Bankert. Oh, yes. Remember seeing him in the uh, Broncos-Falcons uh, preseason game back I do. in I do. 2019 sounds, in seven. Sounds Canton. very
0: familiar. Yes, yep, exactly. Yep. He says, too, my favorite move outside of the draft this year has to be picking up Warren Jackson. If you're not familiar with, with him, watch his college tape because the dude is a beast that eats corners for breakfast. But with a wide receiver room as stacked as it is, how does he fit in? And when does he establish himself on the roster? What do you want that role to be?
3: Realistically, if he he's probably a practice squad guy. Yep. Basically, if he makes the roster, it means he pushed he probably pushed Seth Williams or Tyree Cleveland out of the spot.
0: Yep, exactly.
3: That that's what that is. And so uh, if if Warren Jackson plays so well that they can't slip him through to the practice squad, then it's something you could see happening. The the thing that comes into play also is uh every with all respect to Warren Jackson and all the other rookie receivers, every team has a late-round guy or an undrafted guy at wide receiver, they like. It's part uh, of—we've seen it every year from Broncos camp, and so that's why you tend to have pretty good odds of slipping somebody like Warren Jackson through the practice squad because with all respect to him, almost every team's got a Warren Jackson in their midst. Right. Right.
0: Right, I- exactly, Mason. I really do like his tape, though. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's going to be a practice squad player and going to yeah. have to rise up that way being undrafted. And then he says three for Mr. B Ice Iceman. Four, lastly, to the NFC North we go. Chicago has certainly had its history of real characters play in the Navy and Orange. Who is the one bear that could make you chuck a hat every Sunday,
3: but it would have been amazing had they worn the proper colors of Orange? Well, um, back in the 80s, I would have taken the entire Chicago Bears defense. Yeah. Uh, for the Bucks when they were going against each other every year. Um, uh, even though I, I respected him, but, yeah, he, he caused a lot of problems. And I go to Dan Hampton, who's a Hall of Fame defensive lineman. But the thing about Dan Hampton is he was actually picked by the Bears with a selection they acquired from Tampa Bay uh, for Wally Chambers. Wally Chambers was getting toward the end of his career in the late 1970s, and he played well for the Bucks. On the defensive line, but then the Bears turned around, and uh, George Halas, Papa Bear Halas, was still running the organization. Then they picked Dan Hampton, and Dan Hampton became a havoc wreaker for over a decade and went to the Hall of Fame. So for me, that's the guy. It's Dan Hampton, mm. Danimal.
0: <laughs> the Danimal. I love it. We got a Danimal in our comment section too. Yeah. Mace, is it too soon for me to say Justin Fields? <laughs> and the reason <laughs> Maybe, I say why yes. why you can't stand him when he's not on your team. Is because he's always going to be tied to Patrick Sertan. He's always going to be tied to Patrick Sertan when you talk about him, and I feel bad for Patrick Sertan, but that's just going to be the truth. So whenever you talk about uh, you know how how much of his success Patrick Sertan is, people are going to say, "Well, how's Justin Fields out there doing?" It's going to get a little annoying for people, but uh, but you know I, a lot of people would have liked to have Justin Fields this year.
3: Is it unfair? It's completely unfair. Is it unfair to Bradley Chubb talk about Josh Allen? Yeah, it is. But you still do it, and especially as long as quarterback is a question, it's something that's going to be brought up over and over again whether you like it or not.
0: Yep, exactly. Next one's for you, Mace.
3: Count Locula says everybody likes to have a place to think, to meditate, to eat a burrito, according to Sherman Alexie. Where's yours? Love the count. Well— place to eat a burrito is Illegal Pete's. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It really is. I got to tell you too, uh, not, not just plugging them, but their patio is the best you're going to find. I love, love illegal Pete's. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, any, any rooftop outside patios is my jam for a burrito
3: places to think and meditate. I mean, they're, they're kind of solitary places. There used to be a pier in uh, Seattle and I think they just knocked it down. Um, that was not too far from my apartment. I used to walk to the end of it all the time, often at night, and I would just kind of sit there and meditate. Uh, there's a pier in Tampa, Ballast Point Pier, where I would often walk, and it juts out into, uh, into Hillsborough Bay, and I'd often uh, walk out to the edge of that pier. I just I like being by the water. Unfortunately, there's not a hell of a lot of water here in Denver. It's kind of the problem I have with it.
1: <laughs> that, th-
3: <laughs> but the places where I meditate are usually by the water.
0: That's, I mean, that's a very peaceful place. Yeah. I, th- there's not much better than uh, laying by the ocean at night and just listening to uh, oh, yeah. to the waves crashing. How about you? Where do you meditate? Oh boy, don't d- I don't really meditate, but uh, I mean, one of the most peaceful places we just said it is, uh, you know, in the mountains, uh, wh- where you can hear a river or uh, uh, or by the ocean. Yep. Next, babbling work. Next one coming in from Miss Quill. In a non-Rogers world, would you prefer one of Stafford, Derek Carr, Mariota, or
3: choose to stick with Teddy and Drew? Ooh, well, even though his team hasn't accomplished much over his career, I mean, if you could have Stafford, absolutely. I'd say probably in order, Stafford, Carr, Mariota. And um, I think Mariota is basically in the same category of what the Broncos have right now. Carr's better. Stafford's better. So all things being equal, you'd rather have one of them.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's really a question, Mason, and I don't think there's any argument to be made for someone over Stafford or, or Derek Carr. I think those are your easy two.
3: And that's why kind of the uh, the report from uh, Tom Silverstein, who, who uh, covers the Packers yeah. for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel this weekend, uh, was interesting because yeah. he noted that it, in any trade for Aaron Rodgers, the Packers would like a quarterback, and is Drew, are Drew Lock and Teddy Bridgewater enough? One of those two, or is it where the Packers would say, "Well, we'd rather deal with the Raiders because we could get Derek Carr." And yes, Carr is better than in, than what the Broncos have right now. Carr is right there, kind of. He's probably on the bottom edge of that, but he's a top twelve quarterback. He's they, some somebody you can win with.
0: Mace, if Derek Carr were on this team this year, what's their record? 12 and 5, 13 and 4. Yeah, I was going to say I think the 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 floor is 11. Yeah. Maybe the floor is 10. we're talking the worst is double digit wins.
3: When we talk about the Raiders problems, we're not talking about Derek Carr.
0: Right. Carr, we're talking about Derek right.
3: Carr's problem is that he can't take uh the Raiders organization to new heights. And that's why he's in that second tier of right. quarterbacks. Like Carr is a good quarterback and if you ha- and you can win it all with him if everything is around him. But he's not an elevate quarterback. The L el- you get to the, like the the elite quarterbacks, and they're the ones that really elevate it. Carr's kind of got he he's effective, and he's probably what separates them from being a three or four win team. But he he hasn't shown that he can elevate like a a, a, a middling team right. to another level or a but middling
0: it, organization.
3: Yes, and I think the other th- that's the other thing this is Raiders. They have organizational problems. Peyton Manning as we've seen like kind of with the Colts yeah. and what they ha- and what they were post Peyton, Peyton Manning elevated kind of a, an organization with some issues to new heights you could say that Peyton Manning elevated the Broncos organization yeah because what have the Broncos done in the last 14, 15 years when they didn't have Peyton Manning think about that for a moment yeah. since uh, sin- since 006 from 06 to 2020. Fifteen seasons, and the only t- times the Broncos won double-digit games were the four seasons that they had Peyton. Yeah, I mean you, you can are and of co- and of course we know what has happened w- in terms of it from the ownership on down with the Broncos uh, since Pat Bowen began struggling with Alzheimer's and ultimately took a step back. Maybe Peyton Manning was the guy who was elevating uh, the entire organization. The Broncos haven't had that guy before or since. Yep. Yep. You're exactly in that right. span.
0: Yep, and that's what that's what an all-time quarterback does, Mason. That's why, you oh. know, the prospect of Aaron, landing Aaron Rodgers, that's why we've talked about it so much is because of how big of a deal it would be.
3: You know, internally in the Broncos organization, when I worked there, uh, when they would expand the building, we, we sort of joked that uh, facility expansions were the offices <laughs> that Peyton built. <laughs> yeah. Because all of a sudden you went from struggling to sell some of those last suites and club seats, those premium seats where you keep everything, to selling them out sponsorships you know easily coming in Yep. You know payton increased revenue of that organization substantially
0: yep yep you're exactly yeah. right and mace final one coming in from some people call me the space cowboy says what veterans are now on the hot seat due to the incoming draft class
3: well that's a good question um it is well let's let, one of the people we talked about bryce callahan potentially yep. bryce Ca- bryce callahan becomes somewhat expendable now I agree with you guys that okay, you, you wanna be as deep at possible as possible at corner, but if you're saying, Wow, we can get seven million dollars and again, what if in theory that seven million dollars meant you put it toward Kyle Fuller next year? Would you rather have Kyle right. Fuller for the next three years, or would you rather have Bryce Callahan for this year and then lose Fuller? After this year. Yeah. I to mean, me, it's an easy answer.
0: Yeah. To me, it is. If you get to keep Kyle Fuller by moving on from Bryce, and then that also means that there's no question that Pat Sertan is seeing in the field. You do that. Yeah.
3: So let's look around. Let's, let's look at uh, other positions. We're talking more about depth guys. I think here elsewhere in the secondary, you have two safeties coming in day three. That's probably trouble for Trey Marshall. I would say. Yep. Linebacker, Baron Browning coming in. Uh, I, it, what if he and Justin Stranad both play well, does that mean maybe one of uh, Josie Jewel Alexander Johnson, both in contract years, do they become expendable? Right. Um, yep. Then you go to offensive line, Austin Schlotman Yeah, it's is tough. endangered right yep. now on the interior of the offensive line because Quinn Miners is here um, at running b- and then at running back, and this is kind of screaming in the you know it's with the blinkers and the high beams, Royce Freeman. Yeah, between Javante Williams and signing Mike Boone, I I think Royce Freeman, if they could trade him, they would have. And one guy who was on the bubble was Deshaun Hamilton. And we saw the Broncos tried to trade him and might have been able to trade him if he hadn't torn his ACL last week. I'm not laughing. I'm just laughing at kind of the absurd Mm. sadness of it all. Yeah. everybody, Everybody lost. Deshaun loses with the injury. The Broncos lose because... They could have probably gotten a late-round conditional draft pick for him, and they won't get
0: that. Yep, exactly. Everyone loses here, Mace, with that. And just another such a bummer why Why these guys aren't covered by the NFLPA. And we both hope that the NFL changes that, but they certainly don't have to since the NFLPA didn't do anything uh, mm-hmm. uh, about it last year. And uh, like you said, uh, Royce Freeman uh, on the hot seat right now. There's no question about that. And there's no question, Mace, that I've really enjoyed this podcast. With you. And before we get out of here, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online, one more time, because they're the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to face to face courses, which is unheard of at other universities. But over at MSU Denver, they deliver. They have great gen eds taught by real people, great completion options, full programs, and the virtual services to keep you healthy and happy on your way to graduation. They're the preeminent online university in the Rocky Mountain region. So whether it's online or on campus, it's all the same to them their students do just as well in the online courses as they do in person which means you can get the same degree while continuing to live your life well mace this has been an absolute blast so happy to be rolling with you in person mace and ryan and we really appreciate all of you tuning in to the dnvr broncos podcast we'll be back with you tomorrow to break down all the news thank you guys so much for rolling
1: with us have a great monday how long's it been since Roll out the truck and took a country drive Now understand that you need some time I know some landmarks we used to hit We're flying cotton